This morning we continue a series we started last week, Enemies of the Heart. Last week we looked at one of the enemies and today we'll look at another one. Last week we looked at guilt and hopefully the Holy Spirit brought some understanding and gave you a chance this week to make things right. Guilt says, I owe you. Today we're going to look at the emotion that many wrestle with and struggle with and bounce back and forth it with and I would say is the emotion that causes incredible damage in families, relationships, workplaces, communities, sport teams, recreational activities, between people, and it's the emotion of jealousy. I want you to think about that for a second. Guilt says that I owe you. Jealousy says this, and you'll see by the end of this message, jealousy says that God owes you. And while you might not recognize that initially, because of the way we handle it and displace it and, and, and point out other people. But in some form or fashion, jealousy says, God, you owe me. Yet most won't acknowledge that initially. And the truth is, they won't see it and they'll shift blame to a person instead of acknowledging that we think that God handed us a card that wasn't good for us. This emotion is sadly the one that most struggle with. This emotion is dangerous because it shapes our attitudes towards people, our actions towards people, and it's hard to actively love someone when you are jealous of them. And it's hard to serve someone or submit to someone or serve under someone who, because that person is a constant reminder of what you are not. And the byproduct of jealousy is just devastating. Hate, critical spirit, judgmental spirit, resentment, bitterness. When you're jealous of someone, all those emotions surface naturally. And what happens is you begin to destroy yourself and everyone around you. And because of this byproduct, whether it's hate or, or anger or resentment, you think in some form or fashion that this person has pulled ahead of you in a race and often they're not even aware of it. They're not even aware. All they're doing is living out the faith, the gifts and talents and abilities that God has given them. And so they're just living by faith and the favor of God falls on them. They're taking steps of faith. And what happens is you begin to look at your, their life and you want what they have. And you think, that you deserve what they have. And so jealousy ultimately says, God, what I receive from you isn't enough. God, you owe me. You can see it happen over and over in many forms and fashion. Let's just go to, let's go to athletics. Your son or daughter plays on a sports team. And maybe they're not getting playing time like someone else on that sports team. And maybe you're a high school athlete and, and you're the parent of that high school athlete, of the, of, the, of the child that's not getting playing time. And there's someone else on the team that's skilled, has ability, works hard, that God has given them this athletic ability. And as your child sits on the bench, you know you're jealous when it's difficult for you to cheer and celebrate what that other child has done because you think in some form or fashion that your child should be playing. It's easy to spot jealous parents of teams. I often scan the stands because I want to celebrate. It's a team sport. 
God's given us all gifts and abilities. And just because he might not have given your child that specialty or that gift and talent doesn't mean you can't celebrate someone else. And so what happens is you get jealous of that person who's just doing what God has given them the ability to do and has probably worked hard to do it, believes in God, and is just living out their faith. And they become the direct brunt of your jealousy, of your hate, of your critical spirit, and of your judgment. Jealousy will destroy relationships. Jealousy was, besides Genesis 3, was what we will see in Scripture, the very first sin after Genesis 3. Open your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 4, and I'll show you what I'm saying. If you need a Bible, hold your hand up. Ushers will be glad to put one in your hand. But turn to Genesis chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 1 through 15. First book of the Bible, would you stand with me and let's just read this account of Cain and Abel and Adam and Eve. Would you read it with me? Genesis chapter 4, and we're going to read to verse 15. Ready, read. Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I brought forth a man. Later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will not you be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's get out in the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where's your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land. I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on earth. And whoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said to him, not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. You may have a seat. As you can see, Cain is jealous of Abel. And why? He's jealous that the Lord God shows him favor because of the offering that Abel brought. And he didn't show favor to Cain. And so he directs his jealousy towards Abel, who was only doing what God had asked him to do. He didn't purposely want more favor from God. He didn't purposely call his brother out. He just brought an offering. God looked at it, gave him favor. And because he didn't get what his brother got, he became jealous. 
And as you can see from this account, his jealousy, rage turned into anger and hate, resentment, bitterness to the point that he calls his brother out into the field and says, hey, bro, come on out. And the very first family on planet Earth, Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, has a brother who's jealous of his brother and he murders him because he didn't get what his brother got. And the brunt of his anger goes towards his brother when in reality, he really was angry that he didn't get the same thing that God gave him. He is saying, God, you owe me. God does show grace in this account, as you see, because he could have been killed. But it says that God put a mark on him so that no one would come alongside and kill him. And so he lived out his life. We're not sure what that mark was, but he lived out with this mark stamped in grace so that he wouldn't take his life or someone would take his life. Here's what I know about jealousy. We assume the problem is with the person who possesses what we lack. But the reality is, it isn't. If we pull away and strip away why we're angry, and we're going to see, and I'm hopefully we'll unpack it for you, what we're ultimately saying is, God, you owe me. You did something for him that you didn't do for me, and I'm angry with it. And the Bible and this world and families is loaded with stories of jealousy. King Saul and David. King Saul was so jealous of David. Jacob and Esau, jealousy. Joseph and his brothers, jealousy. And the truth is, is that it's much easier to say we have anger issues than jealousy issues. It's much easier for you and I to say, I'm angry, I'm upset. But the second that you and I say, I'm a jealous person, I have jealousy issues, we sound like a middle schooler, and it's very difficult to admit. And so we mask it, we hide it, and we don't let people know that we're truly jealous of them. And jealousy comes in many forms and ways. We say things like this, boy, they have a nice house, huh, but I don't. We say things like, they got the job that I wanted, and we become jealous of them. Boy, they get to go to all kinds of vacation sites. Boy, look at that family. There they are again on vacation again. And if we're not careful what we're saying, I want what they have. They don't deserve that. I deserve that. And jealousy seeps into our hearts and lives. Or their children always win the awards. Or they have a full set of hair and mine is bald. I'm jealous of them. Jealousy comes in all kinds of fashions. They don't have wrinkles, but look at this. They look 30 when I look 60, when we're both 40. They can run a 5K faster than me. They have abs, but you have them but can't find them. So jealousy surfaces. Or, boy, their kids don't struggle with asthma, and they didn't have to go through what we had to go through with our kids. It's just not fair, God, that you did that for them, but you didn't do this for me. Or 
they get better grades than I get. Or they're just better looking me. She's more beautiful and he's more handsome. And God, that's just not fair. Or we think the problem is their problem. But the reality is we have an issue with them when they have no control over those realities. Isn't God the one who determines the number of hairs on our head and even keeps count? Isn't God the one that gives us an IQ for intelligent quotient? Isn't God the one that gives our shapes and sizes? Isn't God the one that gifts some with the gift of leadership and business and some of helps? Isn't God ultimately the one? And aren't we ultimately saying, God, I don't like what you gave me. And what you gave them, that's just not fair. You see, that's where jealousy stems from. And in the case of Cain and Abel, the same is true. He didn't like, all Abel was doing was living out his life, being faithful to God, bringing an offering to God, just like Cain did. And he had nothing to do other than be faithful and offer a good offering to God. And God said, I accept that. I place favor on you. And before he knew it, his brother Cain was upset, was angry. Why? Because his brother got what he wanted. In reality, his brother was just being faithful. You see, the reality is on a lot of these issues that we're jealous about, God could have fixed all of that. And whatever he gave your sister, neighbor, co-worker, or friend, he could have given you as well. But here's what I know from the word of God. Our God gives perfect gifts to us. And he has created you fearfully and wonderfully. And the you that you are is the you that God thought was best for you. And so in reality, when you are jealous, you are saying, God, You didn't do a good job with me. You see, bottom line, the way we tend to think that if God would have done for me what he had done for them, then we would be much better off spiritually, relationally, and professionally. Would we? Are we lacking anything from a great and perfect God? You see, God does nothing wrong nor did Abel, but Cain is angry enough to take his life. And then this incredible first family picture, because of the fall of man in Genesis 3, sin was imputed down to the sons, and this imputation of sin that was carried on, anger surfaces from jealousy, and the first murder is committed in the very first family over jealousy. Have you ever been on the receiving end of someone who has hatred before because you have a talent or ability or a gift or skill or you have a vacation house or you have a a job that they want or you have resources that they don't have and the only reason you have them is because you've been faithful, you've invested, you've been, you understand the principle that God said he who has been faithful in little will be faithful in much. And so God blesses that. And you have people who are jealous just because you're living out your faith with God. Have you ever been on the receiving end of someone's hatred because of their jealousy? And what do they say? 
how does, how does their jealousy surface? It goes something like this. It costs me way more than it costs them. It's not fair. And because I had to do it this way, then they should have to do it this way. And if I didn't receive that benefit when I was their age, then they shouldn't receive that benefit. It's very prevalent in our world today. And if we're not careful, what we're saying is, God, you don't know what you're doing. And God, you're not fair. And if we're not careful, we will soon fall into this trap of believing that we deserve anything. We don't deserve anything. You see, we don't want anyone to have it better than we have it, especially if they didn't achieve what we achieved. Jealousy is the coward side of hate. Yet the real problem is not with the person who has what you envy, but with your creator God, your personal God. God owes you, and you are holding a grudge against God. And until you face up to that reality, and until I face up to that reality, the simple truth is jealousy will terrorize your life and destroy your relationships. Yet jealousy rarely surfaces within our interactions with God. It just doesn't register in our minds, yet the ones that we are jealous of can never do anything to remedy the situation. Have you ever been on receiving end? Someone's angry because you can do something better than them. You can run a business better than them, and, and maybe you're better looking than them, and, and maybe you have better investments, and you have a vacation home, and you go to spots that they don't get to go to. And all you're doing is living out your faith for Jesus and God has put some favor in your life and you're using your resources for his kingdom and people are angry and jealous and condemn and judge. If I had that money, I wouldn't do what they're doing because they want what you have and they don't have what you have. A jealous spirit creeps up quickly. I watch it in sports games often. The parents of the child who's sitting on the bench refuses to celebrate the child that's performing well for the team. It drives me nuts. It's like, we're a team. Praise God for the gift that that young man and that young woman has. Let's celebrate it. Good job. Yet jealous hearts can never do so. And the ones we're jealous of really can't remedy the situation. Seriously, who in the world, think about it this way, who in the world has the power to make right the inequity between you and the people who have what you want? Can, seriously, can your friend with the full set of hair help your bald head grow hair? No. Can, can your friend... Who, who has a skinny waist and the figure that you desire, can your friend who has the gift of communication make you a great communicator or help you to have their shape and their size? No. It's a gift from God. Can your athletic friend make you more athletic? No. Can your sister give you the IQ that she has that you long for? 
No. Can someone give you his or her pure, pearly white smile? No. Not even Dr. Judd. Can another pastor give you their gift of preaching dynamic messages that you're jealous of? No. Can the smooth-skinned, young-looking, 50-year-old friend remove your wrinkles and scars? No. And would it really help if your sister bought you a brand-new Camaro just like hers? Really, would it really help if you haven't addressed the enemy of the heart? And in all of those scenarios, in some form or fashion, they have those things because, guess what? God gave them to them, and they were faithful with them, and they allowed God to put favor on them, and all they're doing is living out their faith just like Abel was. Yet jealousy says, I want what you have. I deserve what you have. God, you owe me. Jealousy is an issue of the heart. It was interesting as my wife and I were discussing this message this week and, 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 and processing it, and, and she made a, a wise statement. She says, you know what, Jim? She says, people with big faith, people who take steps of faith, and somehow God blesses and they trust him, and because of that, when she does that or he does that or that group does that, it's very common for people of small faith to get jealous and to say something critical about what they've done, to, to say something disparagingly about them. And, but big faith people began to see a big God operate. Have you ever prayed with someone who has big faith? I love praying with people. I love praying, period, because that's where the power's at. But praying with someone who has big faith and then God comes through, a person with small faith is a very jealous husband, a very jealous wife, a very jealous person because they want what you have, but they dare not take the risks in belief in God to see it unpack in their life. And because of that, they, the only thing that they focus on is a way to tear you down. Yet deep down under all the resentment, hatred, and jealousy is a belief that says if God had taken better care of us like he has for others, then our lives would be much richer. Would they really be? The only thing worse than a slanderer is those foolish enough to listen to them. Cain somehow feels that if he could just get rid of Abel, that everything would be better. And this jealousy and hatred would be taken care of. And all the while, Abel has done nothing wrong but be faithful with the blessings that God has given him. Let me just say this. You will be the target in hatred of jealousy and criticisms when you begin to have big faith and trust Jesus Christ in big ways. Safe people are jealous people. Small faith people are often jealous people. Jealous people are miserable people. Jealousy, I would say this, is cancer of the heart 
and mine. It slowly erodes the person that God wants you to be. So stop and ponder for a second before we move on. When you get jealous, you are saying to God, I don't think you're a good God. I don't think you're a fair God. You messed up with me. What were you thinking, God, when you handed me this and this IQ and this ability and these talents and instead gave them? What were you thinking, God? Didn't you know what? We are saying, God, you owe me. You say we want something we can't get, and it leaves us burning with jealousy. Yet our jealousy rarely ever surfaces in our conversations with God. If we're even aware of it all, we might confess sin to God, but at the core is a grudge we hold with God. Here's the sad part about all this. The sad part is, Jealousy left unattended leaves us wishing the worst for the person we are jealous with and we secretly find a reprieve in our hearts when they suffer a setback. Ask yourself the question, who you secretly wish would fail? Who have you secretly celebrated? I'm so glad LeBron James didn't win. That's jealousy. It comes in all forms and all fashions. And in some way, you want what they have, but you don't have what they have, and you are glad when someone fails. Friends, that's not the heart of our Savior and God, Jesus Christ. The gifts and abilities that we have have been given from God. Let's celebrate what we have. Let's be faithful with what God has given us. Let's turn that something small into something big. Let's pull back and say, God, I believe you're in control. God, I know you know what's best for me. And I choose to trust you instead of letting anger, resentment, and a critical spirit destroy my own heart. Be honest, have you ever derived pleasure from someone who receives a setback financially or who's had a bad day? Do you ever like, yeah, thanks God. Or when they, the car they are driving gets hit from behind and you watch them pull into their driveway and secretly you're like. Or that girl or that guy who has the body that you want, and you notice they've gained a few pounds. Do you secretly say, that's jealousy? And that doesn't come from our Savior's heart. And that will destroy relationships. Where does it come from? So where, where does that kind of emotion even come from? Where, where, what's it steeped in? What's it, what's it built in? Where, what's the driving force behind jealousy? It boils down to one single problem. Turn to James chapter 4. Here it is. Here's, here, here's, here's what it boils down to. James answered it. James chapter 4. It boils down to one single problem. 
Hebrews, James. James chapter 4. The question is asked as James walks through the brother of Jesus. He says this in James chapter 4. What, verse 1, what causes fights and quarrels among you? He asks the question, like, why, is, why, do, why do we fight? Why are we angry? Why, 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 are we, why, why are we always face to face? And then he says this, don't they come from your what? Desires. That do what within you? Battle within you. James says this. This jealousy, this, this driving force behind wanting what someone else has and mad that God didn't give you that, this, this jealousy that drives anger and resentment and bitterness and critical spirits and judgmental spirit comes from the desires in your heart. The desires that battle within you. And when we get this down and understand it, we will be free to quit blaming everything and everyone for what we lack. The reality is we want our way. The fleshly desires within us. Desires are also translated later in this passage, pleasures. I find it interesting that the ones we hurt the most with our jealousy are often the ones we claim to love the most at some point. Why? Because we're close to them. And the truth is that one common denominator in all our relational conflicts is us. (laughs) Why? Because you can't always get what you want and you want something but don't get it And you can't get your way and jealousy surfaces. Resentment, critical spirit, anger. So James goes on. Look at verse 2. Look what he says. He says, you desire, but you do not have. So you what? Kill. That's what Cain did. Cain desired, did not have. So he did what? He killed. Then it says, you covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you what and what? What does it say? Quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. Have you ever seen it happen? You want a voice. You want to be in charge. You want their position. You want playing time. You want that job. You want the final say. And if someone else has what you want, and the reality is the majority of the time, they're just living out their faith. God has placed them in that spot. And when you want what they have and you can't have the voice, the platform, the place, or the position, or able to be in the game, you selfishly desire that and you get jealous. And jealousy full-blown. And when it causes fights, why? You begin to be critical. You begin to tear down. Pride steps in. You don't like that person. And the reality is all they're doing is living out their faith. And the person that you're casting the blame on really has nothing to do with 
you're not having it because God is the person who gives power and position, privilege and favor. Yet you want to knock them out. And that's exactly what Cain did to Abel. So we blame someone else because we don't have. And we say, it's your fault. And we're jealous because we can't have control of the situation like we want. We can't get the notoriety that we want. And we will make sure that we will gather troops together to tear that person, that team, that business down. You see, blame is I can't be happy without your cooperation. And to blame is to acknowledge dependence. And if you don't act in a certain way, then I can't be satisfied. You see, fleshly desires and hungers are never fully satisfied. Think about it. You're hungry. And if I start talking about steak and start talking about food and start talking about a meal that you like, you get hungry. And you say, my appetite needs fed, it needs fed, it needs fed. I desire that food. And so what you do, you leave this service and you go and you fill up and you eat. You're like, I'm going to be satisfied. But what do you know? A couple hours later, guess what? You're going to be hungry again. These desires, you will battle and battle and battle and battle. C.S. Lewis said this, appetites grow through indulgence, not neglect. The issue is to every, in every quarrel is that we want to get our way, but we can't. And when we own that reality, the conflict evaporates. And blame never settles anything. In fact, look back at Genesis 4. I mean, God, God warns Cain before he murders his brother. Look at Genesis chapter 4. Look what he tells him. He sees the jealousy. He sees his face. In fact, look what he actually says to him in verse 6. The Lord said to Cain, Back in verse 5, it says, But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was what? Downcast. Isn't that the case of jealous people? They're not happy people. Have you ever been there? Like, they're mad, angry, downcast. I deserve more. I can't believe I got handed this. And they look at them. They got all that. So God notices it. And then what he says in verse 6, The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. God is telling him, listen, 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 Cain, you better do what's right. Because otherwise sin is crouching at the door. And I know what happens, sin run through its, its full path, its full journey. It's going to be damaging and relationships are going to be scarred. He says, be careful. Recognize that what you have is because of what you've offered. And what you have is because of what I've given to you. And if you don't come to grips with that I'm a fair God and I know what's best for you, then sin will destroy your life. And this jealousy will destroy relationships. You see, jealousy is our way of trying to squeeze out our happiness and contentment out of the people around us. But think about what happens when we all end up doing that and wanting our way. Both parties suffocate each other. So here's what we need to know. God doesn't owe us anything. We owe him everything. One amen? 
God doesn't owe us anything. When he created us and the DNA that was established through us and the, and the line of, of, of our fathers and ancestry, he knew exactly where he wanted us to come. Praise God that he appointed us and chose us before the foundation of the world to be saved. Like, if you need anything at all, just go to the cross and just say, thank you, God, that's enough. Our God is fair. And so the minute we think, well, they got that, and I didn't get that, and I'm mad, and I'm jealous, we're saying, God, you owe me. God owes us nothing. We owe him our lives. You see, finding healing begins. Here's, here's, the, here's the way. Here's the path to healing. It's by saying this. The reason I resent her has nothing to do with her or him. The problem is, listen, here it, here, it, here it is. I'm not getting what I want. That's the problem. That's why you get jealous. And you think you deserve something that for that period of your life, God said, it's not time. It's not right now. And so what happens? We attack the person or people or people groups that are getting what we want. In reality, they're just receiving what God gave them. <laughs> oh, grace, if we get this one down, you want to see health in relationships, communities? You want to see what love looks like? You see, now, understanding that, we need to take all our wants, all our desires, all the things that we think we want, our fleshly desires, we need to pile them up, cars, IQ, looks, builds, hair, places, clothes, jobs, and pile them up. And here's what we need to do. Listen to us. We need to pour them out before God in prayer and say this. We have to be honest with the issues of our heart. We need to cry out to God and say this. God, you know what is best for me, and I trust you, even though I don't want to. The way to healing is through prayer. It's being brutally honest with your feelings. Listen, don't take those feelings out on the person who got what you want. Go to God and say, God, I wanted that. God, I want that, and they got that. God, there's an issue with my heart. I don't trust you. I don't trust you enough to believe that you had my best interests in mind. We must confess that emotion to God through prayer. And so many people will say, well, I did pray, Pastor Jim. And it goes like this. And they'll say, I did already. Usually, I discover that I did, that already means I prayed about it. And I prayed about it usually means I prayed that God would change the heart of so-and-so who's not giving me what I want and deserve. What's Peter say about our anxieties and our frustrations and our burdens and our weight? He says to cast them all on him, all of them. See, there's nothing too big, nothing too small. Bring them all, bring all these frustrations, all these fleshly desires. This means you don't have to begin your prayers with, 
I know I shouldn't feel this way, but God, I'm going to say it anyhow. Or I know this may sound petty, but, or I know I should be more mature about this, but, or, or even one that we're very common with. I know that in the grand scheme of things, this is really small, but none of that is necessary. And the reason is, is because you and I are important to God. And here's what happens. Hear me out. Take all that stuff that you want. And once you confess to him that your root problem is that you're not getting your way, and once you've thoroughly and completely dumped your desires and anxiety on him, you'll find it much easier to deal with the people in your life. Regardless of whether they ever give you the recognition love or credit or position you deserve, you'll find peace. Why? Because you no longer are looking to these people to meet a need that only God can meet. You see, we have this misdirected anger towards people. Like somehow they're the fault when reality is if we truly believe that God is sovereignly in control. Listen, he is. He is. And even if you think you got the shaft, listen, God is ultimately and sovereignly in control and he loves you way too much to not give you what is best for you. Amen? We got to quit taking our frustration and anger and resentment towards people. Our world is loaded with jealousy. And now you can tell God, you owe me nothing. And I owe you a big debt that I couldn't pay. I'm sorry, God, for being upset with what you've done for me. We need to offer our God an apology for a debt he doesn't owe. You see, God loves us way too much to give us everything that we want. He only gives us what's best for us. Unfortunately, Cain never got this one down. He killed his brother. Why? Because God gave him favor, and Abel didn't do anything wrong, but accept the favor from God. So how do you battle against jealousy? Last week, I opened up and said, we need to guard our hearts. Remember? We need to guard our hearts because jealousy likes to creep in. We need to guard our hearts. How do we guard our hearts? How do you do that? How do you guard your heart against jealousy? You need to form new habits that battle against jealousy. You want to know what it is? It's called celebration. To guard your heart against jealousy, listen, you must, hear me out, you must celebrate the success, the size, the voice, and the stuff of those you envy. And when they get what you got and want it, <laughs> praise God. My God's in control. He must have something 
better in store for me. And when we stop believing that, then we stop believing that our God is a good God. You need to go out of your way to verbally express your congratulations over their accomplishments. It must become a habit. Celebrate the success of those you envy. And you will conquer the emotion of jealousy. Otherwise, you will be bitter. You will bring people with you. You will talk disparagingly. You will divide and conquer and destroy every relationship in your path. Why? Because you are jealous. Let me ask you a few questions. What are you jealous of? Who are you jealous of? You see, you want control that God doesn't want you to have. Who are you jealous of? Let me ask a couple other questions. What category of people do you resent? Where are you secretly wishing for the failure of someone? Like, all right, you, you take that job, but secretly you're saying, I hope they don't win a game. I hope he fails as a pastor. I hope after I leave, they finally see that I'm, I was the reason for their success and they fail. Secretly, you would never publicly, but when that, that kid gets playing time in front of you and he has his worst game ever and the coach bench him and you're sitting in the crowd going, who do you secretly hope fails? How are you tearing someone down with your words because you're jealous of them? How often do you say, well, I never had to do it that way, and it's not fair that they get it for free or for less than I did? Can I speak for for my generation? We struggle here. I'll speak for my generation. I love all the generations. We struggle because we look at the millennial generation. Here's what we say. They need to earn it. They need to do it the way I did it. I worked this many hours and I worked all these jobs and this is what I got. And we are jealous if somehow they buy a house as soon as they get married and we never did. We rented 11 homes and we had to save and we had to work three jobs. We have resentment and anger toward a generation that's just using the technology and the advancements of today, and for some reason, God has blessed their investments, and we are angry. We can do better than that, please, our generation. We need to love all the generations. Whose progress have you chalked up as, that's just luck? Who do you enjoy being critical of? Maybe this is what you need to do and ask the Holy Spirit to search your heart. Who do you need to call today and say, I'm glad you got that spot and I'm going to be your greatest supporter and I celebrate you. Great job. Who 
whose success do you need to acknowledge publicly and just celebrate? You see, when we begin to celebrate those that we are jealous of, jealousy evaporates. Why? Because we know that God doesn't owe us. He's a good God. He is a good, good God. Lord, help us today. I think we got some work to do, all of us, God. I pray, God, that we would realize that you've given us way more than we deserve. I pray, God, that you would resolve the issues of jealousy in hearts so that we could live in harmony with one another and the world would know we are Christians by our love for one another. You're a good, good God. In Jesus' name, amen.